Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and our monthly Comedy Wham showcase at Hobson Time in Lakeway on first Tuesdays. Have you checked out our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW? If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. If you like the new survey, send us a quick review and we'll share your review and promo your show on Instagram. Looking for ways to support all of these resources that we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the comedy scene as fascinating offstage as it is on stage. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I have been patiently waiting to get this interview <laughs> before it's too late. He stepped in as a guest host on a few of our 2020 online isolation comedy shows. In 2021, he went on a self-made massive nationwide tour. He let me hold his BBE stickers for him at the 2021 <laughs> Altercation Festival, an honor I took very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he's into law and order, which may be the cause of a detour at some point during our conversation. Uh, recently, he left Austin for Chicago, and as the kids say, he's been crushing it since his arrival. Uh, in fact, he just opened for Rachel Feinstein at the Comedy Vault in Batavia, and he just keeps getting booked on things just like he deserves. He is an incredible advocate for social and race, race issues, and he challenges all of us to do better. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Trumaine Bradley. Yay! I'm I'm gonna have to have you redo my bio because that's I wanna I wanna hear this guy. I'm like I wanna hear this. This sounds this 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 sounds. I'm 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 having fun already. No no thank you. That was that was very kind. I'm very humble. Yeah absolutely. You were just posting about an EPK, so you were just and I've only just recently learned what EPK is, but I've had people refer to to it. Uh, so I had to Google and find out what it is and. Um, if, if folks listening don't know what it is, it's an electric, but electric, <laughs> it should be electric. It's electric. Hey, dude, no. Dude, 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 dude. I don't even know if it's the same. Oh, we got it. <laughs> it's, an, it's an electronic press kit or e yes. is that what it is? Electronic. Yes. The words right. don't sound right. No wonder people say EPK. <laughs> right. Say that five times fast. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> no, I can't even say it once. That's why I say EPK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when when you get to be certain levels, it makes sense to have one of them. That way you can just hand it to folks and say, here's who I am. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I have an ice. This is the first of the two questions that I told you that uh, 
they're they're always my questions and you wanted to know my questions ahead of time and i said nope you can't yes yes that was <laughs> i mean hey i wish hey listen everybody out there especially fellas um respect no you have to <laughs> It's okay to ask. Um, uh, but some, if when you hear no, it's no. It's like, hey, it's just okay, cool. <laughs> Normally, I would. I mean, okay. In this case, okay. All right. Look, always no is always no. And I was like, you know what? I'm okay with this. This surprise. This is totally. Yeah. Uh, it's totally cool with me. But yeah, it's great. All right. So this is my official icebreaker question, Tremaine, and that is one word to describe your past. Awful. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, okay, it, you know, a window looking in, I guess it wasn't too bad, but, but being in a driver's seat, mm, I'm like, 10 out of 10 would not do again. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you go back 15 years of what you know now, what do you know? No, absolutely not. Butterfly effect, absolutely no, no. I will not be Ashton Kutcher in this. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But no, I don't. I was not a fan of the past, but I'm glad that I went through it because it definitely got me here. Not to be, um, you know, cliche, but a, a yeah. thousand percent. Yeah. Even the comic that, and I'm sorry, stop me if I ever ramble because I, I, I love this comedy stuff. Um, it took me a long. That's why I respect you so much because I can recognize how you hit the ground running, and um, and and you worked. And we're very honest about where you were as a comic, where you were as a show show um, producer, where you were as um, even when you like moved to create Comedy Wham um, into what it is now. I'm like, I remember a lot of sites that you took and I don't even know if you even knew they existed, but like the pure fact that you did it and did it in this way now this is the standard and it's to the point where it's all the way in um you you, you know you're doing stuff with with um i think with houston too right that's and what i'm dallas. saying so like in, you're in dallas now you're, you're branching out and that's as it should be and i love the humble beginning because it's to the point where people have to respect it and like will smith said sometimes even if you're not the best i will outwork you and i'm that way i don't necessarily i wasn't the first person i wasn't the kind of person who got on stage and just yeah. nailed it but anyways I'm, I'm sorry I'll go, no go that's ahead. fine that's fine it's good to have insight I mean certainly in the in the number of years that I've known you which I think it's maybe no more than three like you mm -hmm. have been through you've been through things in the last three years <laughs> yeah. so you know and that's just you know microcosm three years of of, of living and, and you've, you've gone through so much and you're you continue to be like a, this very positive influence uh you know, in the Austin comedy scene, I, and I love, I look forward to your Facebook posts. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I, I try. I mean, and I see you doing it too. And that's why, um, you know, whether it be it yourself, your greater self, the universe, God, your God, whatever, I'm yeah. seeing the blessings um, manifest in your life too, just by being hardworking and, um, and, and, you know, and, and having that, that zeal for comedy yeah. and just, and, you know, being humble. And so I, I see it in you too. So that's why I, I'm sorry it took so long, but I'm glad <laughs> because I see a lot of my, of myself when I started, you know, in, in you and you work yeah. hard and I'm glad to see yeah. that, you, you know, well, you're you. flourishing. <laughs> I know this is about me, but it's yeah, like, it that's the person you. I am. I just give people their flowers, man. I'm going to do this forever. Like, wait, we're supposed to be talking about you, man. Not thank you. 
I feel I'm leaving this interview feeling good about myself, and I look at the transcript. We ain't learning shit about him. It's just been it's been an hour of him stroking my ego. Yeah, and if you know much about me, you know that this is like you're pushing my my limits of how much praise. <laughs> but I just know what it's like. I know what it's like to to just be like, man, just tell me I did a good job. Yeah. You know, and I'm because I'm doing this for more than just me, but I need to know that this is making sense, that I'm not just spinning my wheels. And yeah. so it's hard when you don't get it. So I try to make sure I give it, especially when I see people working hard. But anyways, wow, I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's get back. Let's get to Jermaine now. Right. Question. Um, bypass awful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you you grew up in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Did you that's correct. Did you start comedy in Los Angeles? Oh, no. Um, and that kind of goes and it leads all the way to, you know, why it took so long for me and you to get the interview. I'm, all, I'm always on the move, like always on the move. This is one of the first times in a long time that I haven't, I've just been like stationary with, with and actually, no, I'm going back on the road on, on Friday. But anyways, <laughs> I, start, I did not start in L.A., I moved. I um I grew up in Los Angeles, Inglewood, um actually where they just did the Super Bowl. Um I I used to live a few not far from there, um 74th and Gramercy. It's like I mean it's it's Inglewood. It's right on the edge, um going past the form, and um uh, where they just did the uh the Super Bowl with the Rams um ended up winning. But yeah, so I started. I born and raised in Los Angeles, moved to Sacramento, went to high school in Sacramento, moved back to Hollywood. Then I moved to um to Texas, moved to Texas about 2010, and um I started comedy while I was in um Houston. Uh, it's, it's a funny story how I even started comedy, but yeah, I started comedy in Houston, did, did comedy in Houston, um, I don't know, until 20, I started 2014, uh, and then I moved to Austin 2018, um, and then, yeah, the rest is, the rest is pretty much history, so, but yeah, I've been doing comedy since 2014, started in Houston. What sparked, what sparked you starting? Oof. Um, all right, this is. I'm. I'm glad that we're getting this all out now. I really haven't. I haven't told this this part. Only a few people know. So I started comedy under an alias, um, um, Spike Miller, for for a lot of different reasons. One, my sister was in school, and my parents had um, what I like to call um, um, big kid jobs, um, and so I did not want my comedy um, to um, affect their jobs. And at that time, they were putting my sister through school, so I didn't want any. I was talking crazy back then just saying ridiculous things um but you know i was just trying to find my 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 place but but the bigger thing was i the reason why i started it was i was writing a script um and i still might do this so i might not explain too much about this but i was writing a script came up with the character and um brought that character to the stage and then a good friend and mentor one of my mentors I might use that word a lot that's because I like to learn from people better than myself but um his, his name is um, um Sam Damaris if you get a chance you should definitely interview him one, um, part of the Whiskey Brothers I mean a brilliant comedian but um I used to do this thing where I would tell tell jokes at the very end of my set I'll tell people to um go fuck themselves and give them the finger like that was my thing like I would just, no matter how good or bad I did, love me, hate me, I would always leave on like a 
I want you to hate me note. And I, and, and I was doing homework, just doing that, doing that. And like I said, it was a character. And the Saren came up to me one day and was like, hey, you know, um, you actually can, like, if you be a I think you can do this. Just stop being a dick to the audience, you know? Take this seriously. If you, you know, if they like you having a good time, you don't need to be an asshole. It's okay to, like, not play that if that's what you want. And then he just left it at that. Oh. And, and it validated something in me. That's, again, why I try to validate people when they first start. Because in my mind, it was all a joke. Like, I didn't have, because I started um, um, theatric, I started on the stage, um, doing stage plays, um, acting, um, screenwriting, then, then stage, writing for the stage, all of that. So in my mind, I'm just an actor. Um, but then I found out, oh, wait, I can do this? And so I, I dropped all the, all the BS. I still kept um, the Spike name and then moved to, um, to Austin and decided uh, a lot of things were changing in my life. And I was working for a campaign, um, but I was still getting booked. And so I was like, well, I can't bring that Spike like nonsense because I really want this guy to win. I want the people to win that I'm working with. Um, and if I'm going to do this, I want to do this as myself, but I want to do this in a way that really shows who I truly am, not what Spike was, because that was a joke. I'm going to do this from my true heart and my true spirit. And so 2018 started going um, by my real name, Tremaine Bradley. The rest was history. So, ah, so um, is it fair to say that by just being yourself, that opened a lot of, of opportunities and doors for you yeah okay this is the thing and i tell people this all the time no matter what you can't you can't you can't fake the work all right so i was working my ass off excuse my language if you don't whatever but okay i'll work because i tell people and 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 this is this is what was told to me be it ali sadiq be it um be it um be it um godfrey um, um, be it, um, I'm Christopher Titus. And the only reason why, I, and I'm not name drop, dropping <laughs> yeah, is more, no, I, it's not, it's not more or less the name drop. And I, and I tell people this because this is all for, for, for a point I'm making. I got to have some of the greatest mentors, people who truly took, um, a liking and like hit me up on a regular basis. But the only reason that happened was because the day I decided that I wanted to do stand up comedy wanted to take it seriously was the same day I got a job at a comedy club. And so that's what I, and that's what I, and when you, when you talk about being yourself, once I knew this is what I wanted to do, but people already kind of knew Spike. So I was like, okay, I need to stay in the Spike lane, but I am going to learn everything I can. And a lot of people think if you get funny by just doing open mics, yes, you were meant to do it, but iron sharpens iron. I didn't want to be one of these people with these fake ass laughs or whatever. I wanted to hear what a real laugh sound like. If I want to be the best at something, I'm going to surround myself by the best. So that means 2014, the same day, like it was like a couple of weeks later when, when Sam had this conversation with me. So I started at the end of September. And so or, or middle of October, I got a job at the, at the Houston Improv. Okay. So I get to hear, and I was there, like, trust me, ask about Spike, everybody know, if you went to the improv between 2014, about 2018, 2019, I still did a lot of work over there, 
you knew about me because I was there like 15 hours. I had three people who had it, who had a key to the front and back door. I was one of them because I was always there. So I was always around killers. And these killers told me that you need to be, you need to find a way to get on stage 10 to 15 times a week, every single week, nonstop, especially in your first three months. Ralphie may rest in peace told me that too, especially wow. in your first three months. So yeah, I had this character, but you can't fake the work. I, sh- I was there every day, whether I wanted to hear it or not. I am being submerged with the best of the best to come to, um, to Texas and do it. So I got to see, I, I, you name it, I, pro- I probably got to see it at, the, at that time. And, you know, that's firsthand. So things opened up. Yes, when I turned, uh, turned when I went with my, my real name, but the work was still there. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah. The lessons were there. I just was, I learned how to apply them really quickly. Once I moved to Tremanks, I already had four or five years of just being in the gauntlet of, of like, killers and destroyers and don't get me started with the local talent in Houston forget about it. especially back then I'm like I will take Houston against everybody I don't care who it is I will and I mean this I mean this in a huge way and I say it all the time even when I was in Austin Austin is a great scene a lot of funny comics but there's something up Houston only had one club so you had all these people fighting for that one club they didn't give a shit about style you had to be a killer to get on decent stages to the point where you can actually even get to the main stage well I had a job at the main stage yeah so you see what I'm saying so like it was just it's it's I learned a lot through Spike but yes things did open up with Tremaine but that's because the work was laid laid out when I did the whole spike thing so yeah okay so one question that I'm curious about is after having been so entrenched in the the Houston improv and then coming to Austin I don't know if you you got yourself into you know a similar environment at the time 2018 to 2020 March of 2020 the only club was Cap City so did you get involved with Cap City or, how, and if you didn't, how did you deal with, oh, now suddenly this pipeline of message, hard hitting messaging? I've okay. <laughs> um, I love Cap. Cap, in fact, in fact, um, in fact, I was, I was always lucky enough, be it when I did Spike or um, when I, um, um, when I I'm I'm looking for this person's name and I'm probably not going to be able to find it. Um, it was someone who was I think it was Elizabeth. It was someone who was very 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 helpful when I um, when I first got to or trying to make moves in um, Capsi. I can't can't remember the young lady's name. Uh, I'll uh, it'll, it'll probably come to me a little bit later. But um, but but yeah. So I did I did the open mic scene at Cap City. Um, but okay, this this is the thing. By the time I came out to Austin, I already had I, I established so much while working at the improv, um, the Houston improv, because a lot of people don't know this, but the Houston improv is um is connected to a lot of the big clubs in in Texas. So you have like LOL and um in San Antonio. Um, and then you also have um, Addison Improv and Arlington Improv. I was connected with all of these. So I was already working all the major clubs in Texas already. 
Okay. So you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like by the time I got to Austin, I mean, it was, I did get a lot of love at Cap City, um, you know, being able to get on their open mic, but I really didn't, like my focus wasn't really set on let me break in Cap because in my mind, I wanted to get my set together for FPIA. You see what I'm saying? So like I did FPIA my first year, got an amazing tape and it was very humbling because in my mind, and, and I say this very humble, had a, probably my best set in my life up to that point. So in my mind, I'm definitely gonna get passed. And I know this is gonna sound cocky and I don't mean it. I needed it to happen because I needed to realize Austin taught me a lot and it taught me, I, I kind of was learning this at the improv, but Austin coming here, I just, I just knew, all right, I put in the work at Spike. I'm showing up the, the new kid on the block with fire. And I'm not saying it's fire because I think I'm good. I'm saying it's fire because I spent damn near two to three years of straight bombing. And I'm not saying like, I mean like awful bombs. I got, had a few funny jokes, but I was not one of those like wonder kids who, who just like started funny. I was awful on stage in the beginning, like awful. So I worked really hard to get to where I was. I, and I, so I knew in my mind, I just had it. And I, t- I, I sent that tape out and got booked a lot from that tape. But in my mind, I thought I, I had it didn't get passed. And of course, there's a lot of things, a lot of factors like um, artist subjective, blah, blah, blah. But it showed me that it doesn't matter. Funny, like there was a lot of funny people that night. Like, what's your package? What do you have? So then I started creating, that's how things like BBE came and all that other stuff was like learning how to take it and package it. And that's when things took off for me. Uh, was trying to like focus on okay you're funny now but everybody who on these stages are funny like why should they remember you you see what i'm saying yeah. like what like what do you have that that that, that people can grab onto because everybody's going to get up there and be funny but again you don't i got a lot of these lessons working at the improv i it just all clicked once i did fpia so in my mind i was like okay i know i'm funny but i need to come up with a set that actually says something about me, not as just being funny, not as being blue. I mean, like this is, I can do this on TV. I can do this pretty much an, around any crowd. If, if I take the cursing out, like what's something that isn't just shock? It's, hey, this can be on, on Conan or, hey, this can be on um, the late night show. This can be on the tonight show. You know what I mean? And so I didn't, go to cap as often as I should, because I was like, hey, first impressions mean, mean everything. And I know I had a great, I had a very good set, but when I show up next time, I want to nail, throw them out the water. So all 2018 worked on it. 2019, because um, um, 2018, the FPIA didn't pass. So I spent all 2019 getting it together. And when I say I had that set, like crisp, lockdown happened. But it was almost the best thing for me because I wouldn't be here. Or I wouldn't have, have put it in the work in a different way. But yeah, so to answer your question, I didn't get even really get a chance to because FPIA 2018, 2019, I hibernated from, uh, from CAP to get that set together. And I had the set that I knew I was going to be able to do 2020. Wow. And then the world set on fire. So. <laughs>
What did you do with those two years? I, I know that you, did, you helped with some online shows, not just ours. You did some other online shows. Right. Um, I definitely did. Yeah. Was that just because so you, you seem like hustle is just part of your your DNA. So mm-hmm. you, you had to keep keep moving in some direction. You couldn't just sit idle. Um, right. So I did a good number of of um, of Zoom shows. But then also you have to think at the time I was working campaigns too. So right before everything locked down, even I, even when I wasn't getting on stage, because, okay, this was weird. Spent 2019, I was working on camp, uh, kind of on campaigns, but then I broke my shoulder and that's the whole thing. So I, I had to stop working campaigns. So I was just doing comedy after my shoulder got healed, which was, which actually worked out really well. 2020, at the beginning of 2020, got a job working on a presidential campaign. So you got to think, the world didn't set on fire until around March. You see what I'm saying? So um, so, so you have that going on. I'm, I'm traveling everywhere on this presidential campaign. So I'm getting to work. In fact, I did, I did, a, um, I did a rally in Austin that clocked in at over um, 20,000 people, and I had to open it up. Oh, wow. Um, so it wasn't not necessarily stand up, but I'm treating it like, hey, let me see if I can make some funny lines. I love the cat. <laughs> make it a guest appearance. People, are, people in podcast world are, would have never known. But I'm telling you, the cat is here. It's happening right now because cats like, fuck what you got. I want love. Um, the beautiful cat, by the way. But yeah, so, 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 um, so yeah, I, I it just everything. Yeah. I did the Zoom shows, did your show, and I started my own kind of variety kind of show called Monday Night Tops. Um, And that opened up everything for me because I started doing monologues while I was doing um, Monday Night Tops. And we were treating it like SNL. We were like, we were taking this very seriously. And so the monologues turned into I would start doing, um, I forgot what they were called, but um, I would turn, I would do like song parodies um, during the lockdown. I was doing a lot of song parodies and it started like making my pen a lot sharper. So that's why I tell people a lot of times, please take out that year. If you didn't get any, any, any kind of stage work while you were on the lockdown, make things sound a lot better. If you're like, oh, instead of saying I'm four, you just say three. The only reason I say I'm close to eight is because I spent the whole lockdown writing, writing, doing this show all the time. And I was performing it the same way I was, I was performing it in such a way that I had learned on stage. And that's a lot of things. I I don't know if you even realized it, but there's a lot of things that I did on the zoom um, platform that wasn't just selling jokes because there's, there's a disconnect when, when you're doing zoom and doing like setup punch, because people can do all kinds of stuff. I would do sing-alongs. I would do, I would make people have to engage because it takes them out of for a second it's gonna do this on all the shows I, I do period so i did it on zoom it breaks up the oh what's this so you know what i mean so yeah. i just brought that to the stage and it only got better sorry i'm only laughing <laughs> because of the cat <laughs> so you came out of at least 2020, having been working your muscles and exercising your, your, your comedy muscles. Yes. Then in 2021, well, 
by the end of 2020, things were opening back up. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you fully take advantage of that, or did you? Um, is that when you started thinking about going on the tour? Actually, it's weird how that happened. I was, I, and I mean, the people at home don't know, but I know you know. I got COVID pretty early um, because. Um, there was a lot of protests going on. And, I, and the only reason I have to tell the beginning of the story is to figure out how did I get to wanting to do that run across America doing shows. So in my mind, I thought this was over. I thought, you know, there's no, who knows if we're ever going to do comedy again. And I mean, there, as we both know, the world shut down, but Texas didn't really <laughs> shut down. I mean, they were doing speakeasy shows, all kinds of stuff. So there was opportunities. I just wasn't doing it. And I was very vocal about it. So I, w- I wasn't getting a lot of offers to do it because I made it very clear that I didn't think it was safe. Now, you know, we're in a different, different whatever. Yeah. But at the time, we didn't know. Like, no one knew anything. And so I was like, I'm not going to put other people at risk. I know I'm probably going to be okay, but I'm not putting other people at risk. Anyways, there was a protest happening. Um, you know, I don't want to take this down that path, but there was a protest happening. And I knew a lot of people were going to go out. And it was Texas. So I knew a lot of people didn't have masks. And that, um, and at that time, I had a I had a surplus of masks at my house because um, when when Texas first made the mask mandate, I knew that a lot of people didn't have face coverings. A lot of people would only have like things like bandanas. And I mean, let's we don't need necessarily need to go down the, the, the play the race card, but I knew certain people would get would be more accepted going into businesses with a bandana than other people going into businesses with a bandana. So I, I wanted to keep people safe and a lot of people from all around the nation just just either dropped off masks or, or mailing masks to me so that I can be able to um, um, distri- um, you know, um, uh, distribute them a- around the community. Yeah. Um, and so I had a lot of masks left over from doing that earlier in the year. So when the when the protests happened, I was like, hey, I want to try to keep people as safe as possible. Took about 3000 masks. And a few people, um, you know, met me up at the Capitol. And we were just handing out masks, hanging out masks. Anyways, got COVID after doing that, like right after. Um, uh, and almost it got pretty bad, like in and out of the hospital. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. So ended up getting over that. And so in my mind, it was like, hey, look, if I get a chance to go out, I'm going to do this because who knows if this will, if, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die on my own terms. And if I get the chance, if this even opens up, kind of, I'm out there. So um, Vulcan started doing shows with uh, Big Laugh Comedy, and that's one of the people that I was doing the Monday Night Tops with. So they were doing shows. So Big Laugh Comedy, um, Brandon, shout out to Brandon, and this is in a huge way because I wouldn't, it's a lot, a lot of things, a lot of great things happen because of this. So Brandon was moving his platform from doing online stuff, um, Zoom shows and what have you, and that's where we at Monday Night Talks had started before we started doing it independently, and Brandon was really, really chill about that um, transition because he was currently transitioning into doing um, live shows. So Brandon got a little venue um, called Vulcan and um, ended up selling it out. So ended up selling it out. Um, and, and it was like a huge, it was a huge deal to the point where a lot of big names 
started coming and it and it started a lot because then the creek in the cave came up a lot of not they didn't come up because of brandon but a lot of these things were already in the works and then right after Vulcan started doing stuff, a lot of other stuff started opening up. Creek in the Cave ended up opening up because they were already in a pipeline. They were going to open regardless, but they they opened and it was already starting to be proven that, hey, comedy can happen in a big way. It was already happening in a huge way in Austin, but it started to show that, hey, people are really ready to do this in a way that the world started looking at Austin again in a whole different light so people started moving out here creek and k started doing huge shows then you had um then you had um 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 sunset um 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 oh wow cut this out because i remember forget there's a but there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of clubs but a, a few different clubs in the area um that started that started popping up making moves um and so brandon was doing these shows but a lot of people from other places were coming, were doing it. And Brandon didn't know a lot of local people. So he didn't reach out to a lot of local people, or maybe they didn't get back to him kind of the you know, same thing that you probably went through when you first started reaching out to people. And he's like, I don't really know her. And so you have to kind of get the vouch. So Brandon asked me to come do a, a few um, shows, like a Def Squad show it was a pretty big deal. And so I ended up going out doing that. Um, and I ran into um, Steve Byrne because uh, he was doing a drop-in. Steve was like literally one of the first, one of the first people when I was doing Spike. That's why I still call me Spike. When I was wow. doing the Houston Improv, he was one of the first people to give me a guest spot. Went up and bombed that spot. But this is years ago. Bomb. And I've been working with him ever since. So he's a really cool dude. Wow. Came into town, um, said hello, did really well during, during that show. And so Steve asked me to come do a guest spot. He was doing that weekend. And this is all how it lined up. He did Def Squad was on a, on a, on a Thursday. His weekend was about to start that Friday. So he asked me to come do a guest spot on Friday. Then he asked me to stay at the second show. Um, then he asked me to host the rest of the weekend. And I just was like, well, I guess this is the sign to keep wow. moving. So right after that, started and people started, once I showed, hey, Steve Burma, people were hitting me up from all over, um, North Carolina, um, 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 Georgia, all over to kind of because they were opening up their stuff back up and people were putting the good word about me. And so people from all over hitting me. So I was like, I guess it's, it's only right to do a run. So one booking turned into another all over. And I just, I learned a lot during d- doing that too. But yeah, that's yeah. how it all happened. Oh, that's an amazing story. I, I didn't know that that was, that was such a pivotal moment. Yeah, there. it wasn't like, it wasn't like an act of, hey, it's time. It was like, Oh, you almost died. You you're still here. So, if this is going to happen, it's not a matter of if and when. It's like it's not a matter of if it's when. Like it's possible for me to get this. It's possible for me to die. I'm about to have fun out here and tell these slang these jokes <laughs> if I get a chance. And then I got the call to do that show, and then everything just was like I guess it's time. And so I just kept moving from there I did your you ended up hitting me up too around that time did your show then I did something at lol and then after it was all right yeah yeah what's the the craziest thing that you learned from doing that tour um that's 
okay, you don't know things until you, a lot of times you can have the best intentions, but you don't realize, great example, I'm pretty sure you, you, you run shows and then there's certain overhead costs or certain things that happen, like a mic breaks or whatever. You're like, oh, wait, oh, I didn't think I needed another mic. Oh, wait, of course I need another mic quarter. I need to have an extra, um, an extra stand just in case this stand breaks or, you know, things happen and you don't think about that beforehand. Um, yeah. And so that's a, that's a lot of it was just the cost. Like you think, you think you have, okay, it's going to cost this much to rent a car. You're going to need this much for gas. It's very true. But then what happens if you run over and you pop a tire, which did happen? Um, what happens if, um, oh, another thing, check your bag. I can, if I can give any comedian really? the best advice, oh, excuse me, not check your bag. Oh, oh, oh um, take it on the plane. Oh, okay. All right. Like, All right. I, I, that was, yeah. a, that was okay. a mistake. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Don't check your bag. Okay. I made that mistake, um, which it, it uh, actually worked out um, for the best, but I made that mistake. And sometimes you'll get in situations, weather situations, and your, your bag is going to get there regardless. You might not. Um, and it's very hard when you're in a random city and all you have are the clothes on your back. So always like try to condense your luggage to a point where that's your carry on. Take that on a plane. That's the biggest thing that I, I, I learned. And merch. I mean, definitely sell merch. Yeah. Merch became a big, big thing. And yeah, it's been a big thing for you. Yes. The smaller, the better. It's easier. Um, a lot of people sell t-shirts. I'm saying to not to do it. But you also have to think um, that's an extra suitcase or you're not going to have as much stuff in your is um, to to put shirts in. I sell stickers. I can just keep that in my pocket. Um, And, you know, a pack of stickers. Easy. I mean, I could sell 10 stickers in in one night and 100 bucks or something. You know, I I, just easy, Um, like 20 stickers or whatever. But I know I have. I have about a thousand dollars in my pocket that after selling. Yeah. Yeah, very smart, very smart. When you came back, or uh, that's irrelevant uh, when you came back, but when did you start thinking that you needed to move away from from Austin? Um, And I mean this in the best best way. Austin, the beautiful thing about Austin when I first, and and this is the only reason I have to give, because I don't, no matter what I do, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the, you know, the training that I got in Houston and the training I got in Austin. Um, you know, no matter what happens, like I, and I always want to show that because I know sometimes people can feel slighted and I never want anybody to feel like that. And if anybody's had worked with me or met me, they would know that as well. So I say all of this with respect, but what started happening was, um, when I did Austin, just even as like a guest spot, living in Houston, but making the drive up to Austin, I realized, because I'm from LA, and I realized that, oh, this is an art town. Not only is it an art town, they, they're ready to hear your 10-minute setup, almost dissertation on, on Stanley Kubrick before you get to a punchline. Um, and that's not to say people in Austin can't be funny. But what I'm saying is it's a lot easier to do something if someone's like, you can do it. You go ahead and try. Whereas in, 
in Houston, this has happened. Someone, I will beat your ass if you don't tell a funny joke. Uh-huh. Hand to God has happened. Um, and Austin isn't like that. They'll give you the time to get where you're trying to go. And that's, that's, that's good encouragement. But at the, you know, so, but yeah, I knew that it was time to leave because Austin was great in my mind because I felt like people didn't know how great it was yet. I knew it was close. Yeah. It was very close to happening. And then everything, everything I thought happened during the lockdown. The minute that the world shut down, people had all their eyes on Austin because Texas hadn't shut down. And Austin is the only town, that's why they say it's like the blue dot in front of and around red. And I, not to make this political, it's just to show how different uh, Austin is from the rest of Texas. So when you have Texas moving in certain ways, you're, you're, you're looking at, wait, what's, what's that? What's that? What's the capital? What's, what are they doing? And so people really like started really focusing in on what Austin was doing. And that put a lot of heat in a good way on Austin. So people started coming left and right, left and right, left and right. I knew, and I did it all in Austin, in my mind. It was I, everything that I wanted to do outside of the you know, FPIA. But like, I knew at that point, it was like, oh, I need more training. I need more training. And I'm already working in the places that people are trying to get to. I'm working, like I'm doing every every club that's that's popped up. Cause you gotta think when I moved, Cap City was still, um, cause they, they moved. So they were, I don't even know if they're back yet. Maybe they are, I, I'm sorry if they are, I apologize. It's not a slight, I just, I know that they moved locations. Yeah. Every other club that popped up, I did it, um, all of them. I did every club in, in Texas, pretty much. Like, so I was already to the point where they were bringing me back. It's not ever first book, getting booked back at the first job, being asked back. And I was at these places being asked back pretty consistently. So I know that if I pick up the phone, I can get into any of these clubs if I stop there. So I always want to challenge myself. And it got to the point where I was like, oh, I need another market to challenge myself because I've, I felt like I've learned all the lessons and I could learn in Austin at that time. And so the influx of people coming in means that it's less of the stages that I was doing, the, the lot of great shows. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot less because you have a lot of killers from all over coming in. And so I was like, all right, well, it's totally totally chill. Let me find what the next thing is going to be. And then that's how I ended up landing on on um on, on Chicago. And and why did you rule out New York or LA? It was um it, it was actually a tie between Chicago and New York for me. But you also oh. got to think I'm I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, so yeah. I know what it takes in LA. And it, and a lot of people in the industry have told me this, and I'm starting to learn this myself. LA is where you go when you have the package. Not when I'm talking about not only have the package, you, great example, you can be the biggest killer on this earth, but with no credits, you're nobody in LA. Why? Because everybody with credits is coming to LA. And why are they coming to LA? Because Hollywood's in LA. So they know movies are made in LA. No TV's made in LA. So you have the best of the best coming down. All right. So that means you're the best in whatever town you started off in, but now this other person who is just as good and has shown just as much promise in their town, but they're coming with the credit. So now you're getting bumped 
for that person. And then, oh, you forgot the person who just did a huge movie shows up and now that person who is good and has a credit gets bumped. And now the person who has a movie and has money gets there and he's about to get on stage and then, oh, Kevin Hart shows up. So not only does this person get bumped and now everybody going at one o'clock in the morning. And that's not to say anything about Kevin. It's to show that the pecking order exists. And I didn't, and I know that I'm from there. I knew this before I even got into comedy. I know that's how everything in entertainment works in LA. So I've always told myself I would never go, go back to my hometown until I have everything in order. So people that moved to LA, I'm not saying you can't do it, but I just, I came up with a plan. I knew that LA was ruled out because I don't have credits. I don't even have credits. So even being the best, the best I can hope for is low tier at any situation because Kevin Hart can drop in on any, at any given moment. You see what I'm saying? So LA, in my mind, I'm not saying other people, cool, that's their thing. Definitely go do it. I didn't think that because I'm from there. I knew that. So LA was ruled out and then it was Chicago or, or New York. And um, truth be told, this is funny. I got COVID a second time Um, while I was on the, when I was doing the run, because I already had New York dates like lined up. Okay. Um, Got COVID around September of last year. And I had, I'm talking about, I was booked until like February of this year. So this was already when I started my run in like May. Yeah. Like May, June. When I started my run in May, June, I had dates booked all around America until, um, until February. Got COVID in, in September. And then I had to um, cancel my dates. I didn't know, like I said, the first time, I almost died. So I didn't know. Um, so I canceled all my dates. Um, but I already had did Chicago at this time. And I had a beautiful run when I was in Chicago on top of the fact that I'm a huge nerd and John Hughes. There's just so much stuff growing <laughs> up. I'm like the biggest nerd. Like I'm sitting up here in a clueless <laughs> shirt. Like, I mean, I'm a huge nerd. Um, so I loved the scene. I loved. And then Indiana was really close. And I did a great show, two shows in Chicago that were life-changing um, for a lot of reasons, they were life-changing. And then the very next night I um, got asked to feature um, in Indiana and got my first standing ovation. So I'm big on signs and I was looking for a place to move. So I was like, this place that I just got a standing O, I'm only like an hour away if I'm in, if I'm in Chicago. And, you know, a lot of beautiful things, um, yeah. And life hack, it is, you know, in the middle of the country. So when you need to go off to LA or New York, you're, you know, you're an easy flight. Right. A lot of things made it easy. I mean, I like, yeah. I mean, a lot of things um, ended up, it's funny, ended up going on the tour and I, like, I fell in love too. It's a lot of things happened. It was just, but it, it helped the set because I started to grow into a totally different person in Chicago it was just like. I don't know, it just it stuck out. So I didn't need New York. It was almost like the universe or God or whatever was pushing it out. Like, no, obviously this is next. Yeah. This is what you need. Do this. And yeah. Chicago's a great, great city. I spent 10 years there. So I... What part? Well, the last place I lived was in Beverly, which is Southwest. I'm asking like I would know. <laughs> I'm like, almost, I was hoping you would say Wicker, Wicker Park. 
toes. That's something that I realized you have to say, you have to say really fast or really slow. I don't, cause I wouldn't <laughs> get in trouble, but like other people would have to wicker, wicker, wicker. You can't, you, you gotta, you have to be very focused <laughs> if you're going to say where I live. Um, yeah. That's brown line, right? Oh wait, no, it's blue and red. Oh, I was going to say brown line. I was like, no, you got really racist for a second. No, it's the blue line. I'm, I'm kidding. Don't cancel her. I said it. It was, I know it's not February, but you're okay. You're cool. Wakanda for like sometimes, I guess. Uh, are, are, are we going to see you on the screen? I mean, you, you don't do YouTube videos. I mean, your YouTube channel, you don't have anything, but I mean, you're so bubbly and fun. Are you, are you going to get on? I'm working. I'm working. The thing is, um, I know that's next. I wanted to make sure that the set was together. I'm getting to the point where the work is coming in and and it's showing that not only is the set together, but like, and as you brought up in the beginning of the, of the interview, the whole BBE situation, it's like people are addressing me by the beard. They're like, oh, BBE, Uh stickers or hey, the, the beard, the energy, the beard energy. So I'm I'm, that's why I said I love that we're doing the podcast now so, because I'm moving into a different um, part of things. So now I'm going to start, you know, looking at the content and what have you. But I really wanted to focus on getting the, you know, working on that part of the package. Now it's time to start, you know. So, yes, there's a lot of things on on the horizon. Um, yeah, yeah. Great. That's great. Well, I, I, I want to give you a chance to talk about something magical that just happened. I mean, I, I, that the Steve Burns story is amazing, but the Rachel Feinstein uh, story is, is really cool. You posted it about it on Facebook. You got to, uh, I can't remember. Did you open or feature for her? Okay. So, and this is what's crazy about how things just work out. Like, and I brought up Steve Byrne earlier and this comes back full circle. So Steve, knew um i'll move to chicago i told him at some point i was like hey i'm gonna be in chicago and so and so excuse me but he already knew i was there all right so he's he's on tour currently um he was coming to do batavia so he um sent me a text message like hey hey spike and at this thing it's cool if you dad made me if you knew me back when i was my dead name otherwise don't if you didn't know me back then you know it's tremendous but yeah from people who knew spike it's like all right i get it <laughs> you, you knew me almost 10 years ago, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, Steve texted me and was like, hey, uh, I know, because I was supposed to do a festival, got sick, and Steve was going to be at that festival. So I didn't get to see Steve because I couldn't, I ended up not being able to do it. So Steve sent me a text. He was like, hey, I know you're in Chicago. Um, come do a guest spot on my show. Now, this isn't necessarily relevant, but it's relevant for me to show like, so that it makes us like, I, can, I can't look at it in any other way but being assigned. I, um, one of the last times I was in Austin was during, well, not one of the last times, actually, yes. One of the biggest last times in my mind before um, I, I ended up going on tour or whatever, or I ended up going doing that run, we had the freeze. I got, in a, I got in a, um, my car slid on some ice and I, I hit it, I hit it pretty bad. So I still kind of had like a little PTSD. And the reason why this is important is because at the time that Steve reached out to me, it is snowing crazy. I moved to Chicago January 1st. So if you wanted to know what level of insanity I am, that's, that's bingo, that's me, baby. Um, <laughs> like I, 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 when I, right when I parked, it started snowing. That's how the time frame that I decided that, hey, I'm gonna move to Chicago. And, it's like snowing anyways so it's snowing the night 
I, I'm still not used to driving on snow, but I'm like, if Steve asked me to do something, I'm doing it. So I get okay. in the car, I'm driving the snow, I don't care. I'm like, get there, have a really good set, like really good to the point where Steve was like, hey, come back to the next show. And right when I got off stage, the owner, um, um, shout out to Liz. Um, I mean, Liz is amazing. I love that team over there. But um, at the Comedy Vault, Liz was like, hey, we really want to work you. Um, take down my information. And Steve asked me um, to come back the next night. So come back the next night and do even better. Um, actually, yeah, come back next night and do even better. So then Liz, like, it, it's, it, like, solidified everything because not only was the owner there, a few of the other managers were there. Excuse me. And they were just like, hey, you're great. Please hit us up. Um, please reach out to us. And so, cool. Took that. Awesome. Uh, went and looked on the website. Saw that right, Rachel, um, Rachel Feinstein was, gonna, was going to be in town. And, I mean, I think not only is she brilliantly funny, I'm like, I'm a you know, master on stage. She has a crazy following too. So I was like, hey, look, I want to, I want to do some of this, some of this B, gonna get some, give them some of this BBE. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. I, yeah. I'm not, not, um, not, not Wayne Gretzky. That was Michael Scott. Okay. never mind. That's, 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 that's for me. <laughs> that was for me. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so I was like, I just asked, I said, Hey, um, can I do that spot? And something happened that it worked out perfectly. She was like, Hey, I'll get right back to you. And she almost got back to me the same day. So yeah, we would love for you to come out and feature, um, ended up featuring and, um, um, the manager, um, was there uh, and he, after I got off stage, was like, hey, we would love for you to come back and headline. And um, and, and yeah, the rest was history. I just, I did another spot and then Liz saw it and was like, hey, she's been so, so, so helpful. That's why I definitely shot um, to um, Comedy Vault. Wow, it. that's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. And then, and Rachel also humbly shouted me out, hey, follow this really funny comic yeah. on Illinois. And I'm like, I didn't know until Liz reached out to me and was like, hey, um, you know that Rachel uh, just shouted you out on Instagram, right? Uh, no. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and actually, um, shout out to the manager, Mark. He, um, he actually had to... Um, got activated he's a part of the the, um, the national guard you know, oh, see, him, see him home safely <sighs> Tremaine uh I probably will never get to talk to you ever again <laughs> you're it's not you're true about to blow up you're about to not blow true up. this is amazing Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And please cut out wherever I was rambling. I love this comedy stuff. I'm being serious. I would love to do this again. There's so much that I feel like, and I, you know, and I really respect you. There's so much I feel like people, you know, especially comics aren't told and we just kind of have to figure it out. And I would love to, um, you know, give yeah. whatever I've learned. It's kind of like parenting. Like there's, they, they there are <laughs> books out there, but you really don't know how to do it until you you do it and you learn, you, you go through the mistakes and the, the good and the bad. You, that's right. just the only way you, you get through it. But you know what the, the consistent element in all of it is? Hard work. 
yeah, well, you, yeah, yeah. Some people, this is the thing. Um, you can you can get all the opportunities in the world and be seen on, I mean, we've seen it, but like, yeah, yeah, but not yeah. be ready. Because my aunt always said, you know, um, all luck is is preparation that meets opportunity. So if you get opportunity and you're not prepared, are you really lucky? And so I've been given a lot of opportunities I wasn't prepared for, but it got me prepared for this opportunity in particular. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, I'm I'm so thrilled for you. Uh, and we haven't even covered about how you, you really are an advocate for for uh, racial equity and and diversity and social issues. And it's a, a beautiful voice that you carry out here. No, I appreciate it. You know, being um, being a part of the LBGTQIA plus community, I'm pansexual myself. And that's one thing that I try to, I mean, even the fact that you, they're not going to be able to see me. I'm sitting up here in a, in a, in a, in a salmon colored uh, t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> that has the cast of the 98 classic Clueless. <laughs> now I can just pull that out. But I only think it's 98. Well, like 94 but anyways neither <laughs> um um the point is is I, I i bring that to my to my stage everywhere and you know even on social media i try to be an advocate um not only for for all marginalized groups you know um you know you know feminists you know everything i want to see i want to see because we can't all be great unless we are all great so yeah yeah uh amazing uh okay so i before so we're gonna start winding down so that you can <laughs> Get to that pizza. So I, I mentioned early on. This, this <laughs> I know you saw it. Okay. So okay. my 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 uh, web guru Richard. So he bought me this game. Where do where do we begin? I don't know. I have the box over here. Yeah. Where should we begin? And basically, it's a little prompt card. So you can pick the card in my left hand or my right hand, and I'm just going to do a prompt card, and then we'll start really winding down. Right, right hand. I'm excited. Right hand. Okay. All yes. right. It's not lying when. Wow, that is a great that's, question. That's wow. got to be a um, challenge for you because you are, you are mm, a man that tells the truth. Yeah. It's, it's not lying if you answer the question asked fully. I grew up in a house full of lawyers. And so I've always learned it's not what you, and I hate to be cheesy and like pull from, from Denzel, but it's not what you know, it's what you can prove. You can be right all the time. You can be right and then still be looked at as a liar just because you're way too passionate or you don't know what you're saying. Whereas, you know, someone else could be calm and collected, answer every question. And that wasn't what you really wanted to know, but that was the question you asked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. One one little detour. Are you watching this new Law and Order season that just came out? I have not. And this is what's beautiful about Law and Order. I'm glad we get I get to put this on wax because one day someone's gonna pull it out. <laughs> I hope it's consent essentially. But anyways, I hope that if you pull this, if you pull this out, ask, ask comedy wham and come talk to Tremaine Bradley. But yes, you cannot find me a single social justice like activists on any level who oh. doesn't like law and order. They will they will defund all the police except Stabler and, and Benson can stay. They say Stabler, Benson, <laughs> and, 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 and Carl Winslow. They're the three. <laughs> I, you want to make a friend with an activist? 
um, um, talk about special victims unit. Oh, yeah. Defund the police, but but SBU can stay. I'm so I, so I have it. I'm and yes, you can keep that in because it's funny and I know it's true. I haven't seen organized. I wish someone would. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Dum dum. All right, you're right. That is executive produced by Dick Wolf. I know. Yeah, you know. Shut up. But anyways, I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, I'm lying. You you saw it, but you I guarantee you watch Law and Order. See? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. But I have to admit that SVU is one I could never get into. But you know, the to me the best mm. one is Criminal Intent. Oh, I love Criminal God. Intent. That one I love is Criminal Intent. Yeah. What what's his name? Vincent um D'Onofrio. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Amazing yeah. actor. Amazing actor. Yeah. Amazing actor. But yes, yeah. love Law and Order. Defund yeah. all of them except except. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, tell me I'm, I'm just being serious. Well, go ahead. Ask me. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wind down. Don't worry. You'll have a chance to promote everything in just a moment. But uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want people to know about Tremaine? Um, yes, this just happened today. Um, I am working on a deal with um, ABA Strategy um, for um, sponsorship. Shout out to my man, Nicholas Bertzel. I've known him since we were kids. And it's crazy that this even happened. He just reached out to me and um, wants to do a lot of great work in the community. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, working with them. So I'm, and I'm still looking for sponsorship. You know, uh, you know, for, for 50 cents a day, you can, okay, no, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so that that's beautiful. That's happening. Um, just be on the lookout. And I tell everybody, if there are people who wake up and decide that they want to do brain surgery, not everybody has that dream. So if you have a dream to do something, it's not for any, it's not for no reason. Like um, you were given that dream specifically. So it is on you, not just for yourself, but for the universe who come in after you got whatever to try. I got a dream to try stand up and I tried it and like, Damn it! I'm going every. I'm going to the to 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 the wheels fall off with this. So if you have a dream, especially to stand up, whether it's today, tomorrow, the the time that you try, you decide to do it is the right time. So, so get up and do it. There's a lot of great things on the on the horizon for me, and I'm very appreciative, very humble. Amazing, and I love your story absolutely. All right, here we go with your last question. Mm-hmm. One word to describe your future. Bearded. No, my my no one word. <laughs> one word to describe my my future. Um, um, um. Damn, that's a great question. Right. Yeah, I love it. I love right. it. I'm, I'm trying to be a lighthouse for the rest of the world. I want the. I want the next Dave Chappelle's or the next Richard Pryor's or the next George Carlin's of the of the world to hear my story and be like, hey, go look up some of the shit I did at Spike Miller to be like, oh, he's do that. Now he's doing this. Of course I can do this kind of shit. I want you to think that you're better than me so that you get on stage and do what you're meant to do. That's all I'm here for is to inspire other people. So that's my word, inspire. And no, I'm kidding. You can go with it. <laughs> bright. <laughs> All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Tremaine Bradley, uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and promote, promote, promote. Um, Tremaine Bradley on everything. Absolutely everything. And um, if you if you say you say you 
if you say if you message me, I will always add you back. Especially if you tell me you came from Comedy Wham, I might <laughs> hug you. Consent if you, you consent, you will get touched. Otherwise, it's totally cool. People have been canceled for less. But no, I'm I'm Tremaine Bradley on everything. Um, yeah, you can find me everywhere. Uh, Tremaine Bradley. T R U M A I N E. Tremaine. No, no Y's. No G's, no J's. I'm not a Jackson. You can, yes, that's hack, but you will be surprised oh, wow. when people come up to me. Hey, so uh, how's Mike doing? I'm like, first of all, shut up. But um, <laughs> yeah, Tremaine Bradley and everything. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Tremaine got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Tremaine Bradley. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you so much, Tremaine. Thank you. We didn't even get to talk about real sex. Okay, turn it uh- off. Ha, 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 ha.